Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror pop culture related, from interviews, reviews, top ten lists, and, well, everything in between. They also have a great library of podcasts, which I highly suggest you check out, including my newest one called Cheer and Loathing, where Stephanie, the editor-in-chief of Morbidly Beautiful, and I sit down and talk about movies. Generally, I hate them all, and she loves them, so it's a great little juxtaposition and conversation, and it's funny, and it's fun, and all that kind of fun stuff that you want in a podcast. And I do apologize again for missing last week. It has been a weird, weird month or so for me. Nothing really going on except for lack of motivation and will to live. I'm kind of kidding on that last one. But I am back today, and we are going to be talking about something I enjoy maybe the most out of anything I've ever talked about. And that has to do with fairies, elves, and magical creatures. These little critters from fairy tales and even real life have stuck with me through the years, and for some reason I'm drawn to them. And today we're going to talk about maybe the most realistic one ever. These magical little fellows come from Iceland, and they're called the Holdefolk. I'm probably butchering that, but bear with me. It is Icelandic, and I know everybody loves hearing me fumble over these European and Scandinavian names. But without further ado, here is the Holdefolk. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Now, fairies and elves and all those magical creatures are things I have talked about many, many times in the past. And I may have even mentioned these guys on a previous podcast, but I never really went into depth on them. The Holdefolk are Icelandic by nature and they still, today, hold a place in the modern folklore and belief system of Iceland. They're so popular, in fact, that the BBC even did an article on them, and I will share with you some of those little snippets as we go on. But what are, or who are, the Huldefolk? Well, they are hidden people. They are elves. And they hail mainly from Iceland. They are supernatural beings that live in nature, as most if not all, fairies and elves sort of do. They look and behave very similarly to humans, but live in a parallel world. They're generally invisible, but can make themselves visible at will if they want you to see them. They also have a place in Ferozi folktales, and in that particular folk region, they are said to be large in build, their clothes are all grey, and their hair is black. Their dwellings are mounds, and they're also called elves. Now, some Icelandic folklore suggests that you shouldn't throw stones, as they may inadvertently hit one of these hidden people. I guess that could go for any thrown object. I guess it's a good thing that uh, baseball or cricket isn't really a big thing in Iceland. Might hit a lot of hidden elves. Now, the term Huldafolk has taken a synonym of Alfar, or elves, in the 19th century Icelandic folklore. Now, there's an Icelandic name here I'm going to butcher, and I do apologize. Jón Arneson found that the terms are synonymous, except for Alfar is a projective term. Conrad von Mauer contends that the Holdefolk originate as a euphemism to avoid calling Alfar by their real name. 
There is, however, some evidence that the two terms have come to be taken as referring to two distinct sets of supernatural beings in contemporary Iceland. Katrin Sontag found that some people do not differentiate elves from hidden people while others do. A 2006 survey found that 54% of respondents did not distinguish between elves and hidden people, 20% did, and 26% said they were not sure. On the origins of these magical little creatures, Terry Gunnell writes, quote, Different beliefs could have lived side by side in multicultural settlements in Iceland before they gradually blended into latter-day Icelandic Alfar or Holdafolk. He goes on to say that Holdafolk and Alfar are undoubtedly arisen from the same need. The Norse settlers had the Alfar, the Irish slaves had the hill fairies, or the good people. Over time they became two different beings, but really they are two different sets of folklore that mean the same thing. There are some precursors to the elves or hidden people that can be found in the writings of Snorri Sturluson. Again, I do apologize for these names, and my terrible mispronunciation of them. Snorri said in his skaldic verse, Elves were also mentioned in the poetic Edda and appear to be connected to fertility. Now, of course, we can't talk about ancient folklore and traditions without introducing Christianity into the fold. And in the 11th century, Christianity brought with it a whole new religious concept to the Icelandic region. According to one Christian folktale, the origins of the hidden people can be traced to Adam and Eve, because of course they can. Eve hid her dirty, unwashed children from God and lied about their existence. God then declared, quote, What man hides from God, God will hide from man. Other Christian folktales claim that the hidden people originated from Lilith, yeah, there's a big topic we've touched on once or twice in the past, or are fallen angels condemned to live between heaven and hell. In succession of Christianization, official opposition to dancing may have begun in Iceland in as early as the 12th century, and the association of dancing with elves can be seen as early as the 15th century. Now we've all heard of Dancing with Wolves, Kevin Costner, get the fuck on, dances with elves. One folktale shows that elves siding with the common people are taking revenge on a sheriff who banned dance parties. Now here's another name, once again I'm going to apologize in advance, Adal Huldur Gudmundsturdid, oof I'm terribly sorry for that one, concludes that these legends show that Icelanders missed dancing. In the 13th and 14th century, books from mainland Europe reached Iceland and may have influenced folktales about elves. I want to touch again on the dancing aspect of this folklore. Perhaps, and maybe, these hidden people were the cause of the dancing plague that I talked about a few episodes back. Maybe they made their way down and infected these people with, well, the dancing bug. It's a long shot, but you never know. Einar Olafur Svensson writes, Round about 1600 sources for hidden folk became so voluminous that we can readily define the beliefs and legends about them. And after that, there is one source after another about them right down into the 12th century. According to Arnie Bjornsson, belief in hidden people grew during the 17th and 18th century when Iceland was facing tough times. Naturally, people do tend to believe in different things when they are down on their luck. How many criminals find God or religion in prison? How many people repent their sins on their deathbed? B. 
being down on yourself, being in a tough time, and that's something most of us can relate to nowadays, I think with the pandemic going on for well over a year now, I think we can all kind of relate to wanting to believe in something better, something different than the real world. Nowadays, we're lucky. We get the opportunity to escape into books and movies and video games, but not so much in the 17th and 18th century. You kind of had to believe whatever you could find. That was your escape. That was your way out of the real and terrible dangers that you faced on a daily basis. But with that depressing thought out of the way, there are four Icelandic holidays considered to have special connections with the hidden people. New Year's Eve, 13th night, which is January 6th, Midsummer night and Christmas night, elf bonfires, and there's an Icelandic word for that, I'm not going to try because it's been translated to elf bonfires for me, are common parts of the holiday festivities on the 12th night which is January 6th again. There are many Icelandic folktales about elves and hidden people invading Icelandic farmhouses during Christmas and holding wild parties. It is customary in Iceland to clean the house before Christmas and to leave food out for the Huldafolk on Christmas Day. On New Year's Eve, it is believed that the elves move to new locations and Icelanders leave candles to help them find their way. On Midsummer Night, folklore states that if you sit at a crossroads, elves will attempt to seduce you with food and gifts. There are grave consequences for being seduced by their offerings, but great rewards for resisting. It's almost like a parent saying, hey, I'm gonna leave this marshmallow on the table here. I'm gonna leave for 10 minutes. You can eat it if you want, but if I come back and it's still there, you get two marshmallows. Reward for patience. Not everything has to be instant gratification, and that is one of the lessons I guess that some of these folk tales, especially around the Holdafolk, are trying to present. There is always a moral story, or generally always a moral story, to folklores and legends. So if we listen and look deep enough, we can find what they're trying to tell us. It kind of goes without saying that Icelandic folklore plays a huge role in their culture, and several scholars have commented on the connections between hidden people and the Icelandic natural environment. B.S. Benedicts, in his discussion of John Arneson, Grouping of folktales about elves, water dwellers, and trolls together, writes, quote, The reason is, of course, perfectly clear. When one's life is conditioned by landscape, dominated by rocks, twisted by volcanic action, wind and water into ferocious and alarming shapes, the imagination fastens on these natural phenomena. Olina Thorvistortir, again, I apologize if I butchered that, writes, Oral tales concerning Icelandic elves and trolls no doubt served as warning fables. They prevented many children from wandering away from human habitations, taught Iceland's topographical history, and instilled fear and respect for the harsh powers of nature. Again, another metaphor that can be learned from these folktales. Michael Strimsiska writes, The Holduk folk are not so much supernatural as ultranatural, representing not an overcoming of nature in the hope of a better deal beyond, but a deep reverence for the land and the mysterious powers able to cause fertility or famine. Palstidort claims that in a landscape filled with earthquakes, avalanches, and volcanoes, quote, it is no wonder that the native people have assigned some secret life to the landscape. There had to be some unseen powers behind such unpredictability and such cruelty. Alan Boucher writes, thus the Icelanders ambivalent attitude towards nature, the enemy and the provider is clearly expressed in these stories, which persevere a good deal of popular and, in some cases, probably pre-Christian belief. 
Robert Anderson writes that syncretism is active in Iceland where Christianity, spiritism, and Icelandic elf lore have synchronized in at least a couple of instances. Terry Gunnell again notes that hidden people, legends recorded in the 18th and 19th century show them to be near mere images of those humans who told stories about them, except that they were beautiful, powerful, alluring, and free from care, while the Icelanders were often starving and struggling for existence. Again, just kind of think of creating a character in an RPG video game. They're usually a reflection of yourself, but the best reflection possible. Sure, you may have never picked up a sword before, but you have an interest in them in real life. So in the video game, well, you're a master swordsman. You're the best around. Nobody's ever going to keep you down. I digress. The whole folk seem, in many ways, to represent the Icelander's dream of a more perfect and happy existence, he added. Anthropologist Jón Hakur claimed that Hidden people tales told by 19th century Icelandic women were a reflection of how only 40% of women were married, and quote, sisters often found themselves relegated to very different functions and levels of status in society. The vast majority of Icelandic girls were shunted into supporting roles in the household. He goes on to say that these stories justified the differences in role and status between sisters, and instilled in young girls the stoic adage never to despair which was a psychological preparedness many would need as they found themselves reduced in status and denied the proper outlet for their sexuality in marriage, thereby sometimes having to rely on infanticide to take care of the unsolicited and insupportable effects of their occasional amours, an element related in Holdefolk stories. Anna Piertzkowitz contends that the hidden people symbolize idealized Icelandic identity and society, the key elements of which are seeing the, quote, past as a source of pride and nature as a unique and pure. Hidden people often appear in the dreams of Icelanders as well. They are usually described as wearing 19th century Icelandic clothing and are often described as wearing green. In one version of modern Farusi folklore, the hidden people vanished in the 1950s when electricity was brought to the island. That's an interesting concept. I guess it's a lot harder to be hidden when there's lights everywhere. Now, a survey of Icelanders born between 1870 and 1920 found that people did not generally believe in hidden people, and that when they had learned about these supernatural beings in their youth, those lessons had mostly been made for an amusement purpose. About 10% seemed to actually believe in hidden people. A survey from 1974 showed that among these born between 1904 and 1944, 7% were certain of the existence of hidden people. Several modern surveys have been made showing a surprising number of believers. Around 7-8% claim to be certain that elves exist, and around 45% claim that it is likely or possible. These surveys though have been criticized as being misrepresentative, as journalists have claimed that they show that a majority of Icelanders believe in elves despite belief not being that serious. Folklore professor Terry Gunnell has said, quote, very few will say immediately that they believe in such a thing, but they won't deny it either. Different ways of asking could elicit very different responses. Arnie Bjornsson claims that the beliefs are simplified and exaggerated for the entertainment of children and tourists, and that is a somewhat misrepresentative yet harmless trick used by tourism industries to entice visitors. The stories of elves may have been fun tales rather than beliefs. Now, there are some recent incidences as well. 
During road construction in an Icelandic town in 1971, a bulldozer broke down. The driver placed the blame on elves living in a large rock. Despite locals not having been aware of any elves living in the rock, newspapers ran with the story, thus starting the myth that Iceland road construction was often impeded by elves. Interesting. And in 1982, 150 Icelanders went to the NATO base in Kelflik to look for, quote, elves who might be endangered by American Phantom Jets and AWACSs, reconnaissance planes. In 2004, Alcoa had to have government experts clarify that their chosen building site was free of archaeological sites, including ones related to the Haldefolk folklore, before they could build an aluminum smelter in Iceland. In 2011, the Haldefolk were believed by some to be responsible for an incident in another Icelandic town where rocks rained down on residential streets. In 2013, proposed road constructions from the Alfatanes Peninsula to the Reykjavik suburb of Garosibir was stopped because elf supporters and environmental groups protested, stating that the road would destroy the habitat of the elves and the local cultural beliefs. Now we've talked about some polls and surveys and numbers, and in 2007, according to the BBC, there was a estimated 62% of the nation that believed in the existence of elves in more than a fairy tale sense. There are some quotes, some interviews, and I'm going to read you a quote from one of the Icelandic natives, Jorfjör Aktidor, and she was punished for disturbing the elf, or at least she thought she was. Quote, We would play in this field between apartment buildings in Reykjavik. The Icelandic singer-songwriter said, There was one rock bigger than all the other ones that towered over the field. We were certain it's an elf rock, and you shouldn't disturb the elves. It was twice my size. And with some struggle, I managed to get up there. My friends warned me that it was a bad idea. And then, as I had my moment on top of it, I jumped down. And as I landed, I bit the inside of my mouth, so blood was pouring out of it. I ran home crying and never touched that rock again. The article here goes on to say that this story is far from unique. Many Icelanders have experienced something similar. They say that if you own a land or a piece of property and your house has a rock structure in its garden, but you want to put in a hot tub or a pool, well, it's best to not disturb those little rock clusters because, well, they could be homes for the hidden people or structures that they've made and they'll be upset should you actually mess with them. Many have reported that there have been instances inside their very own homes of, well, things going missing, things being misplaced, things being trashed all because they tore down a little rock structure that was in their back garden. Now, of course, not every Icelander believes in these, same as not every person has the same belief in the same religion and the same god. You can look at different sects of the same religion and they have different belief systems. You know, it's just one of those things. But what do you think? Do you think that there are hidden people, huldefolk, elves, living around Iceland or anywhere else? In my hikes around my hometown here, I've come across fairy doors. Little doors people have painted on trees or, or created to stick on little nooks and crannies. They're very interesting, they're fun, and they're cute, and it's always, well, it's fun to find them. You may not be looking for them, but chances are you're going to find them if you just happen to be a little more observant than just wandering around looking at your phone or something. Give it a chance. Go for a hike. The weather's starting to get nice in most parts of the world, if not all parts of the world. 
So if you have a forest or you have a tree, park, or you have a trail near you, take a step off the beaten path, see what you find. Maybe you'll find a little rock structure. Maybe you'll find a fairy door. Either way, hit me up if you have found anything or if you do know of any legends around your area that have folklore related elves or huldafolk or little people or hidden people or magical fairies. I want to know. Hell, maybe you've had an encounter yourself. But that does it for me today. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. My name is Casey, and if you did enjoy what you heard, feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. If you leave a five-star review, it will be read out on the show, so that is the best way to get a shout-out if you want. You can also follow along on social media, although I'm not super present on there, on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd is in production, Instagram at OminousOriginsPod, or on Facebook at HorrorShots. So, until next week.